Good morning and uh, happy new year to you. Uh, I can't see everybody, the lights are quite bright, but uh, if you're new here today or visiting, um, welcome. And uh, my name's Colin and, uh, and I'll be preaching today. Uh, our senior pastors, Jeff and Ro, are away as, uh, as uh, Zach indicated, having a very much needed and well-deserved uh, break away with family and uh, revitalisation. And if I know them at all, they're thinking already all the time about uh, what God is going to be doing in and, in and through this church, this congregation. And uh, look, you know, and I, I think that uh, uh, I agree with you, Zach. It's just, you know, after it seems like weeks since we met together. Uh, it's only a couple of weeks. And, uh, but there's something very special about the gathering of the saints um, when we can, uh, we can join our hearts together and worship uh, the one and only true God and uh, his precious son Jesus uh, through the power of his spirit. And uh, I don't know about you, but it felt like I thought this building was full of people when I was standing there singing this morning and just, it's just so beautiful. So, um, new year, it's a new year. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I, just, I was just caused to think about God and he's not bound by time or space, uh, he has no beginning, no end, but he did build into us um, uh, time, you know, he caused the, uh, the sun to rise and, and the sun to set, there's this set period of time each and every day and uh, he caused a day for when you were born, he will cause a day, he knows a day when you will pass from this earth. Um, he knows all the, the things that are set out before you each and every day. It says that he plans uh, in advance good works for you to walk in. And, uh, and I believe that it's quite likely that he knows the times that those good works will pass you, pass in front of you and you get the opportunity to walk in them. And it's, uh, so he, he, I think it's just part of his creativity. He's brought this, this factor of time into his creation and it's so that we can, can live in a life that is ordered and that we can understand uh, where we're going and uh, where we've come from and um, understanding that God is ultimately in control of everything. And uh, I'm just seeing what's up here. I was going to have a look at this. Excuse my back. It's the first time I've seen this screen. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> I gave Laura a brief on this. That's the only screen you'll see this morning. It says, Therefore, um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's from 2 Corinthians 5.17. And uh, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. It speaks of a beginning. There is a, there's like this new beginning for those people who are in Christ. And uh, a beautiful thing is the old things passed away. And that speaks of those things uh, that, uh, that defined your life before you came to know Jesus. Some of those things were, uh, were overt sinful acts, things that, um, that you were walking in that were directly outside of God's perfect will for humanity. Other things uh, that have passed away are some things that are, were worldly pursuits that really would not lead to anything of great value for your future. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. You know, God cleans house. Jesus cleans house when he comes and lives in you. The old things have passed away. And, uh, and then, behold, all things become new. 
and that speaks of this, this, um, this new mindset, a, uh, an influence of God's Holy Spirit in your life, um, teaching you um, the new godly ways in which uh, he would choose for you to walk in that are for your own very good. And he also places in your path new things to walk into that are pursuits that will lead to great fruit and wealth of life and, uh, and have an immense uh, impact on your future and the future around you. So what an incredible thing that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. Bear with me. I'm a car enthusiast and uh, I was a motor mechanic before my last vocation and uh, back then I worked on cars all day and then I met up with mates and we worked on cars all night and in the same overalls I'd go back and work on cars all day again back when I had energy. And um, uh, I, I like old cars and I like new cars and uh, I just for kicks and giggles, uh, Marilyn and I went and drove a, a Subaru WRX um, sports wagon, a sport lineatronic variant. It's a fantastic car. It just, it, I thought, this is my new dream car. And, uh, and I looked at, I, I've looked at all the features that are included. Like, these, not, these are not the additional extras. These are the features that are there. I'll just run them off. This is going to greatly interest you, I am certain. Um, it has this, this uh, trademarked thought, uh, idea. It's called EyeSight. And uh, it's got these cameras that sit up uh, high on the vehicle on the windscreen. And it, then it, that activates a lot of other things. And they are adaptive cruise control, emergency lane keep assist, lane centering function, lane departure prevention. <laughs> Who would want that? Lane departure warning. Lane stay warning. I think these are all the same thing, but maybe, um, apparently not. Uh, lead vehicle start alert. I need this because I pull up at the traffic lights behind a car and then all of a sudden there's a horn beeping before, behind me and there's no cars in front of me. But this thing tells me that the car's departed. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, uh, pre-collision braking system. Pre-collision brake assist. Pre-collision throttle management, autonomous emergency steering. Have you ever driven a car that has this stuff? Some of you probably do. And uh, intelligent speed limiter. That's what I'm not. I'm not an intelligent speed limiter. My speed tends to go up and back and up and back, but this just monitors that speed for me and also has speed limiter, which is different to Speed sign recognition. I like this. It reads the speed sign for you and takes control if you forget to read the speed sign. These things are absolutely amazing. I only just chose one snippet of included features in this incredible car. There are pages. Oh, it's a dream. I sit there and read them all over and over again and dream about the $66,000 that I could spend on this incredible car and be the envy of, I don't know, nobody probably. But, um, <laughs> but these, all these features are for my, um, I guess they're for my driving pleasure and, uh, and my safety. And uh, that's car manufacturers are thinking about our safety. They're trying to take out the human error in, uh, in driving a motor car. I actually recently drove my son-in-law's 
Hyundai Santa Fe. Oh, look, I know that you're just soaking all this up. I can see it. Hyundai Santa Fe, and uh, it's a modern car, and it's got, it's got apparently got a lot of these features, probably different names. And, uh, and I'm driving this. I drove this car to Sydney and back. And uh, the first thing I noticed, that every time I got near the sideline or the centre line, it went beep, 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 beep. And I thought, that is so annoying. That is annoying. Can you turn this thing off? And then I would get close to the line and I'd feel a little tug on the steering wheel that would pull me back to the centre of the lane. And, and I, I don't want to drive that. I want to drive over here. And I would be forcing that assistance a little... And seriously, my impression of driving that car started to go down the tube. And then, of all things, now I've got this rule, it's a traffic rule built into my head, that if you want to change lanes and there's nothing behind you, you don't need to indicate. You just like change lanes. Because you, who are you indicating to? No one? Well, of course, when you have all these systems and you go to change lanes, it wants to stop you from changing the lane and it goes beep, 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 beep again. But I still force it across and we get across. And I was winning. I beat this machine. I was beating the machine. And we, we went, uh, we drove, I drove them all the way to Sydney and then we were... The most annoying thing is when, when you're coming up behind cars and a car pulls out in front, it thinks you're going to run up the back of it and it jams the brakes on and scares the bejeebas out of you. It really does. And um, so there's all these things that are happening outside of my control and I thought, surely there is a way to turn all of this stuff off. And, uh, and I spoke to my son-in-law and he said, yeah, yeah, apparently you can turn it off. And I thought, well, I would like to turn it off. I'd like to turn it all off. Anyway, we left Sydney, oh, I left, I left them down at the, uh, the cruise terminal and, uh, and I'm driving back and, uh, and I thought, I'll turn it off when I get out of the city. I'll work it out, I'll get out the manual and sort it all out. But I started to feel that the car was doing the right things and I was doing the wrong thing. And, uh, and as I drove along um, and became more receptive to what the intelligent car was doing, the more comfortable and safe I felt. I became a better driver, who would have thought? And um, I became a better driver. I was driving through the mountains and I was, it was steering, it, it, it's like my brain was connected to, it, to the, that brain and we were going through corners so smoothly, oh, there was no beeps or, or pops or emergency applications of brakes or resistance in the steering and it felt so incredibly good. And, uh, and I had the cruise control on and you'd come up behind a car that was going slower and you didn't have to turn the cruise control off. All it did was, uh, was slow your car down and match the speed of the car in front of you. Oh, wow. How amazing. Is that? I'm sounding very old, aren't I? And, but then what you could do is when you decide you want to overtake that car, put your indicator on, go across the, the lane, it doesn't, it doesn't fight you when you do the right thing, across the lane and then it accelerates itself back up to the speed you wanted to do. Seriously, these things are quite amazing. I love them, I really do. I, I want a car that does those things. I drive a nice car but it doesn't have that stuff. So, I don't know, Marilyn, wherever you are. Yep, Marilyn liked the car too, she said, she told me. But you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm an old mechanic and uh, I had better cars than that when I was young. And my better cars, my first better car 
was a 1980 model Ford Escort sedan. It was originally a 1.6-litre. I know this is very interesting to you. And that wasn't fast enough for me, so I went to a wrecker and bought a 2-litre motor. I tore the perfectly good 1.6-litre engine out and put the 2-litre engine in, and that thing was a rocket ship. Needless to say, my mother's um, modern SUV 1.6-litre automatic car would leave it for dead now. But that doesn't matter in my memory. That Ford Escort was the fastest and best car I ever owned. Oh, of course, until I bought myself a, a Volvo 144 Deluxe manual with twin side draft Strombergs. Oh, my goodness. Was that a good car or what? Wake up. Wake up over there. And um, anyway, anyway, I love that car. That was a great car. We went away on our honeymoon in that car, didn't we, dear? And, uh, and it saved our lives because it's a Volvo. And uh, it had retractable seatbelts. 1972. Who would think that a car all the way back then would have such an amazing feature? And, but of course, um, that car uh, lost its shine and I decided to go for the most magnificent car I ever owned. And that was a 1970 model a Fiat 850 Sports Coupe. So it had an 850cc engine in the back. And, uh, and that thing would see 100 miles an hour every day. Every day, which is, wasn't safe and nor was it legal. But I wasn't a policeman back then, nor am I now, but that doesn't matter. I was a Christian and I should have been doing the right thing. But nevertheless, notwithstanding, uh, <laughs> I loved that car. And, you know, anybody that's owned an old car or has owned a car, a car before today, <laughs> another car, don't they wish they'd kept that thing? Don't you wish you still had that car in the garage? All those cars. If I had the three-car garage right now, it would have, I do, but if I had one with space <laughs> instead of my kids' furniture, it would have a 1980 model Ford Escort. It would have a 1972 144 Deluxe Volvo and it would have a 1970 model Fiat 850 Sports Coupe sitting in there for my driving pleasure whenever I wanted so when I got sick to death of all these modern cars, I could get back into a real car and drive it. That's right. I'm going somewhere with this. I am. It's not just about cars. A few years back, I went to, uh, to the Melbourne Grand Prix with my friend, and we're going to catch the train from Mundra. Now, he's another guy who likes old cars, but he's still living the dream. He owns a 1964 Fiat 2300 sedan. He calls it Bella. And it's a beautiful car. It's just wonderful. And he said, how about we drive Bella from Bathurst to Cootamundra and then we'll catch the train from there. I said, this is awesome. I said, can I drive her? Yes, you can. So we climb in this car. I had all these amazing dreams about driving this old car to Cootamundra and how incredible it would be to finally drive a decent car. And it was a manual. And seriously, I climbed in. The first thing I smelled was petrol. And then I smelled exhaust fumes all the way to Cootamundra. The seat, it was like a lounge chair with springs almost sticking up through the bottom of it. It had a heavy clutch and an almost impossible gear change. Yes, I can drive a manual. And, uh, and seriously, I drove all the way to, to Cootamundra and I thought, is there any way that we can get from Cootamundra back to Blaney without having to get in that car again? I didn't say that to him because he'd be horribly offended. But isn't it interesting in life um, that we... Live with the old dreams. You know, the old dreams were, were just incredible and amazing and we want to go back there and experience those things. 
And we don't want to drive the new car anymore. We don't want to drive the car that has, has the, uh, the, the incredible intelligence system that keeps you safe and makes your driving experience so much more, more um, wonderful and incredible. Do you ever find that for yourself? I wonder. So that's me. So here I am fighting the new and desiring the old. And I think that we do that probably as Christians sometimes. And, uh, but we're told in that scripture that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. So those old worldly pursuits or those old pursuits that, that, uh, that attracted us so much, um, they're actually gone from our, from our, um, our destiny and, and the sinful life that we lived. And, and uh, you know, perhaps your life was, um, was pretty straightforward. My, my, I think my life was pretty straightforward. I, I can't um, claim to have had a horrible drug addiction or have been involved in um, robbing buildings or doing horrible things to people. I can't claim those things. Um, but nevertheless, it's, it's not necessarily um, the specific, and it's certainly not the specific things that formed your sinful life. Um, it's the fact that sin was in your life that, uh, that, um, that separated you from God. And here it is. It's, it's, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. You know, um, as Christians, I believe... Um, some of us truly struggle with, uh, with developing and, and growing our faith and, and believing that God can, uh, can take us forward from where we were. Maybe we're really hooked up in that guilt cycle. And, uh, and then on the other hand, there might be still the pull of the things that distracted us so often in those days gone by. But the good news is, that if anyone be in Christ, the old things have passed away. How do we get a hold of that? How do we, we manifest or see that manifested in our life so that no longer do we have that, um, that, uh, that situation where we're, again, attracted to that thing that was against God's will and purpose for our life? How can we reject that thing offhand very quickly? It comes up, and let me tell you, Satan, our adversary, our enemy, he will bring that thing up in front of your face as often as he possibly can and say, look, hey, it's not so bad. Go back and have a look at that thing. You're in Jesus now. You're saved. It's okay. Have a look at that thing. Or it might be, um, uh, and it might be the guilt of sin in your life. But you know what? That was never what God had intended for your life once you gave your life to Jesus. The whole idea was that he wanted you to be able to put those things away and have everything being made new again in you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Take a hold of this as a, a promise for you. This is a promise. If you are in Jesus, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, but if you are in Jesus, you are a new creation. All the old stuff that was contrary to God's purposes and plans for your life, it's gone. It's passed away. It no longer has its effect on you. All things are being made new. So right now, you are a work in action. So sometimes we sit and we think, um, I'm a Christian now. Why aren't I behaving like a Christian? 
Why am I finding it so hard to, to see my life develop into the saint that I'm, cla- I'm claimed and proclaimed to be in the Word of God? It's because all things are being made new in you. You're a work in action. God is at work in your life, right here, right now, right this very moment for 2024. And uh, as a brand new Christian, it's like buying a brand new car. When you buy a brand new car, you don't get to choose those lane departure things or brake assist. Or It's actually an inclusion. It's there. It's given to you. You've paid for it. It's yours. As a new creation, you're given an amazing inclusion. It's been paid for. You can't reject it. It's there. In fact, it's not a it. It's he. He is there. He is included in the package for a very specific and real purpose. And that is so that you can walk the life that God has called you to walk. And that inclusion is Jesus. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I, I just stand here and I marvel at that. I, I, I just sense the Holy Spirit's approval on those words because of his, his words, God's words, but I just sense the approval of you receiving those words right now. God's approval is on you as you receive the word that says, but Christ lives in you. He lives in you. You have Jesus Christ. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have received him. He now lives in you by the presence of this Holy Spirit. And it says, and that the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What about this beautiful scripture, Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, and it says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ, I'm going to break this up, but that Christ may dwell in your hearts. This is Christ, he is the inclusion, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Jesus is the inclusion in your life that, that will transform you. You know, all things are being made new. You know how they're being made new? They're being made new by the presence of Christ in your life. He's transforming you and growing you. We can't fight that. We can fight that. And, and Satan wants to, to distract us from our Christian walk. And he wants to tell us that we're not good enough. And he wants to show us that the things of old are good again. And it's okay. Actually, you got that wrong. That's okay. You can go there. And it's a bit like me driving along the road and, and fighting the lane departure. You know, the lane departure doesn't grab a hold of the steering wheel and pop me back in the middle of the, the lane. What actually happens is it reminds me that I'm steering out of the lane. And that's what Jesus does in your life. And I, I know, I, I reckon I could individually speak to many of you and you could talk about the times where something was not quite going right, that you were taking your own path and you sensed Jesus, the great lane departure feature of your life, 
slowly and gently pulling you back into line. You know, and as we surrender more and more to Jesus in us, the easier it becomes to accept that we have been forgiven the sins of our life, easier to understand that the things of old are no longer fruitful or worthwhile, the more we give our lives over to his presence in our life, the more that he will affect you into the person that he wants you to become. I'm actually reminded, you know, of, uh, of the Egyptians, no, sorry, the Israelites in Numbers 14, um, after they had been taken out of Egypt and they were on their way to the Promised Land and they were facing adversity pretty quickly. And, uh, and they suddenly realised, they thought, some of them said, let's raise up a leader and take us back to Egypt. You know, I want to go back there because what I'm about to face is too hard. And they thought that what was old was going to be okay, despite the fact that not a short period of time before, they were in the old and it wasn't okay. And, uh, and now they were in this place where they felt that, that um, they actually would have been better off dead or back where they were rather than walking in God's will. And I suppose also that as we walk along in our everyday walking around life as Christians, there are times where we feel that, uh, that maybe we should just pull back from all this because it is all a little bit too hard. And maybe we should get back to the way things were. And, you know, even if your life was somewhat ordered, and I've got friends who, who I look at them and they're not in Christ and their life is very ordered and, and, and quite attractive, but also know that even their lives and their worldly pursuits will end in nothing. You know, so I'm, I guess I'm here to encourage you. Don't be like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt. Trust in Jesus who dwells in you and he will take you forward even through the difficult times and most certainly through the difficult times. You know, this month, our, um, our theme, our preaching theme is include Jesus. And, uh, and I actually reckon, oh, I'm going to change it. I can't really because the slides have been done and everything's been done. But it's Jesus included. <laughs> Jesus included. Um, it's, it's, and if you want to do anything active, it's don't exclude Jesus from everything. How do we include Jesus in our life? How do we make sure that, that the included Jesus, the one that you cannot opt out of when you give your life to Christ, how can we ensure that we are responding to his purpose and will for us all of the time? Because ultimately, I think that is perfectly possible. And in fact, that is the goal. The goal is that we will actually be transformed um, to such an incredible degree that we will be unrecognisable from the person we once were. And uh, how do we do that? You know, and I, 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 hadn't even, I haven't even written what we do. I thought I could write down all sorts of fancy scriptures, and uh, I'm not denigrating the Word of God because this is where you'll find the answer. But I just want to talk, you, talk to you about what can I do to make sure that I make sure that the included Jesus is manifest in my life. And just this morning, we did something that was part of that. We, we got out, out of bed, we got in our cars, walked, we came to this building, bumped into a few people along the way, we came in here and then we entered into worship together. One purpose, you know, this is one of the things that God greatly loves, it's the unity of the body. 
And, uh, and we demonstrate that as we worship God together. I, me? I was there. I was in heaven. I, I just went, I'm, I'm back where I belong. I, this, is, this is me um, truly coming under the influence of Jesus, the included Jesus in my life. Another one is, of course, being in the Word, reading the Word, being very deliberate about reading the Bible. And uh, I would suggest every day, you've heard this over and over again, but I cannot under, um, understate the importance of being in God's Word, understanding this is one of the ways that He speaks to you. This is the way that Jesus, one of the ways that Jesus will speak to your life. He will read, you'll be going through things or wanting to make a decision about a certain thing and you will read something in the Word of God, God will reveal it to you by the power of His Spirit and He'll have spoken to you and revealed His will to you. If you didn't open that book, you might miss that. You might miss that. Another one is prayer, being in prayer, purposeful prayer. I think uh, uh, there's probably multiple kinds of prayer, corporate prayer, individual, closet prayer, being in a, in a quiet place, pulling aside deliberately each and every day um, where you alone with Jesus, speaking to the Father. Um, that's that kind of prayer. There's, uh, there's um, bullet prayer, you know, that the, I'm going around in my everyday walking around life. Um, there's no closet available. I'm in the middle of a meeting and I need some help or I need God's guidance or something. Jesus, can you help me on this? Prayer is vitally important. It's conversation. Conversation with the Saviour who now lives in you. And uh, another one is Fellowship. Sort of bumping up against each other in that sense of of uh, of, of getting to know one another in, in Jesus, and uh, you know I think that there's a good chance that many of us wouldn't have much to do with any of us if we weren't didn't have the commonality of Jesus Christ in our life. You know, it's it's Jesus that brings us together, and in fact we are inherently selfish in a lot of ways. We really want to just serve ourselves, and I'm I'm probably one of those people. I think that I would much rather sit at home more than often and do nothing and not have anything to do with any of you. That's not because I don't love you. Uh, it's just that I probably love myself more. And, uh, but in Christ, um, when I get and sit with Mark or whoever else, and I uh, just looked at Mark then and I just, I'm still, and whoever else. But, you know, if I sit with people and, and we start talking things of Jesus, you know, and uh, it, there's something about that that ignites um, our, it ignites our cooperation with the indwelling Christ in our life. It's like we're driving down that highway and he's guiding us directly between the lane lines and keeping us on the straight and narrow. You know, when we, we're here, we're called to admonish one another and, uh, and correct one another in, with love. And uh, how are we going to do that if we aren't in fellowship? We can't do that stuff. You know, sometimes you can come to me and say, I really think that what you're doing in life or with that person or how you said that thing um, wasn't quite right. Uh, and but that's you know more than often you know and I'd really encourage you that as you go and admonish another person that you you ask God you go God is this really what you want me to be saying to my brother or sister in Christ and uh, and then you go forward with all love and and caring face to face not by text <laughs> texting is bad uh, for these things and speak with them but that's you know that's that's Jesus at work in your life through the body of Christ because we are in unity with one another. So, the included Jesus, include Jesus. It's, uh, you'll, you'll hear more about that this month and, uh, and I'm really looking forward to, uh, to 
what others have to say about how, in a practical way, we can include Jesus in our life. And uh, you know, my brief today was just to, you know, for us to, to really make sure that we don't get caught in the past, that we, you know, we're able to forgive ourselves because we know that Jesus has forgiven us by his sacrifice upon the cross. And, uh, and you, know, we, you can take anything home today and it's that, that this is the promise. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. You are a new creation. The old things have passed away. When we talk about something passing away, it passed away, it's dead. The old things are dead. And the, the new things are being made new in your lives. Take that, take that forward. What we're going to do, because this is the beginning of 2024 and I've got this incredible privilege of speaking here today, is where I'm going to pray with you. You're going to pray with me. We're going to pray together this prayer. I've written it, it's theologically correct, so trust me on this. But, you know, sometimes to do something purposefully so that we're engaged in it, we need to move from where we are and go to where we need to be. And metaphorically, I, I want us to do that today. I want us to move to a place, and I, I just joined with, with what Zach said this morning, just about um, the, the incredible blessings of God that are going to unfold in this year. New things, new incredible things, the new things, they're being made new. How are we going to do that unless we receive them and understand that the indwelling Christ is at work in our lives? So in order to do that, we're actually going to, we're all going to stand up and uh, we're going to do more than that. We're going to, we're going to take, take at least three steps forward. So that might mean moving out of your aisle and coming down. I'd really like you to do this with me. And, uh, and you know, I'm hoping that you'll receive this prayer as your prayer. And it, seriously, I can't see you moving three steps forward. I'll just wait. Because... Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't really feel like making feel pe- people feel uncomfortable, but this is about you stepping out into this year fully with Jesus on board. He's there. He's the included Jesus um, and understanding that he is at work in your life. He wants to work in your life. He wants to be the Lord of your life. Um, he will never force that. And in fact, you know, I think you can turn off the Jesus f- feature. He's still there. But you can, you can press that disable traction control button or some such thing. I hope you never have to do that. I hope you never do that. I think you always choose to fully engage everything that Jesus has for your life uh, for this year and the years to come. So this is the prayer. Everybody close their eyes. Dear Jesus, you don't have to repeat me. It could take a long time. I thank you today that you promise to live in those who surrender their life to you. Today, I declare that you are my Lord and Saviour. You know, this is the first time you've done that. If you are declaring that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, today, he has come to dwell in your life. Right now, right now, this very moment. I proclaim that by your shed blood, my sin is forgiven and that I am saved for eternity by your sacrifice alone. I accept and own the fact that you have a plan for me and that you desire to direct my paths each and every day of my life. I ask that you be my shepherd, that when you speak, I recognize your voice and hear you, and when I hear you, 
I do not hesitate to obey. Jesus, reassure my mind that if anyone be in you, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. This is my prayer for 2024 and the years to come. Amen.